What would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed, what would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of global Swedish design and inspiration brand Dream Life and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people like you to chase your own dream life, whatever that means for you. Many years ago, I wrote down a dream on paper that would one day bring Swedish design to the world and create beautiful, inspiring and meaningful products that would bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to leverage everything I've learned to help you dream big and to create a global movement to inspire 101 million people to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode will dive deep into the power of dreaming and share real insights and practical ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there and welcome back to another episode. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a massive, massive thank you to all of you, my listeners. We have just reached 2 million downloads and I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much for listening and for giving me reviews and ratings and for sharing it to your friends and people who may need this. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm excited about continuing growing this podcast and hopefully inspire a lot of people to live their dream life, whatever that is for them. This week, I have another super inspiring guest. In fact, he is just brilliant. Actually, I think one of my favorite episodes. My guest is Simon Reynolds, and I saw him speak not long ago, and I just loved it. And I thought of you, my lovely listeners, that you must hear Simon too. One of my highest values is sharing. So when I see something that I think everyone should be part of, I love sharing it. So here he is. Simon Reynolds is a renowned Australian advertising entrepreneur and an expert on personal and business achievement. He is also a highly regarded speaker, executive coach, and a business author who has been very successful in business. With more than 50 awards for excellence to his name and a 30-year career owning and running numerous successful companies. He has been featured on 60 Minutes, Today, Bloomberg, and many other TV programs as a high achiever, including as a shark on Australia's original version of Shark Tank. Now, after two decades of extraordinary business success, Simon is devoting the next 20 years of his life to helping others achieve at high level. If you are highly ambitious and seek to perform at world-class standard, this episode is for you. So let's get right into it. Make sure you have a journal and a pen ready to take some notes. Hi, Simon, and welcome to my podcast. I'm really excited. Well, so am I. It's fantastic to be here, Christina. <laughs> I've admired you for a long time, and it's great to be on this podcast with you. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise, likewise. Before we get started, I'd love to ask a question that I ask to all my guests, and that is, did you have a dream as a child? Did you want to do something specific or become something or something like that? Well, yeah, interesting question. And I guess it depends on how you define child. So as a kind of 10-year-old, nothing. When I was about 13 or 14, though, my brother was four years ahead of me at school. And I distinctly remember noticing that almost none of his friends knew what they wanted to do. So at about age 13 or 14, uh, it became, I guess, a kind of dream. I'm going to work out what I'd really love to do in life. And it took me three or four years. So in my final year at school, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So that was, I guess, a bit of a small dream to, to know my direction. So I don't think that's a small dream. That's amazing to know what you wanted to do. So what was that dream? To what, what did you actually want to do when you worked that out? Well, the brief was, how do I make money without going to university? And <laughs> how do I uh, actually love what I wanted to do? So when it came to the, the first one, it was between real estate 
stockbroking and advertising. Those were the three ways were ways of making good money without going to university because I hated going to school. And then it was really down to the last couple of years as to which one I'd really enjoy. And so I, I would investigate, do you know, interviews with people who are in that field and all that kind of stuff. And eventually I realized in my final year of school, you know what, I think I, I could love advertising. And two weeks after my uh, 12 years of school, I was working full-time in an ad agency. Wow. And for people who are, so we have listeners from all over the world, can you just share a little bit about your, your journey? So big and massive, but just a little bit for people to kind of get, get an understanding on, on where you actually took that, because that was, that what you say, a small dream became a very big dream. Yeah, sure. So I started out in advertising. I've had two careers, basically, advertising and, and business mentoring. So um, much of my life has been advertising. And I started out as a, a copywriter, a writer of ads. Eventually, at age 23, uh, I opened my first advertising agency with a couple of partners. We opened up in New York a couple of years later. And then I owned a couple of more ad agencies, either by myself or with partners. And then Finally, I raised $5 million and began building a group of advertising agencies, which became, I think, the 14th or 15th biggest agency group in the world. And that is now known as Enero Group. I haven't had anything to do with it for a long time. But after that, I went to America and I uh, just chose to mentor entrepreneurs. And that's what I've been doing for the last 12 years. So I saw you speak not that long ago, and I just loved it. There was so much inspiration. And one of my highest values is actually sharing. So that's why I have a podcast, because I love uh, to go and see amazing speakers just like you. And then I just always want to share what I'm learning. So this is so amazing. You spoke about the importance of state, so the state of your, of your mind. Tell us a bit about that and how we can be in the right state yeah, well, in anything we do, there's, um, I believe, for most people, quite a wide variance in how they perform in that field, whether you're a teacher, uh, a mother, or an executive or an entrepreneur. There are days where we come home and we go, I was amazing. I did every, you know, did everything right. I was efficient. I had the right attitude. I was relaxed. I was clear. I was kind. I was effective. And then for all of us, there are days when we are driving home or taking the train home and, and we say, you know what, I really wasn't at my best today. I snapped at that person or I wasted time or, or whatever. And I find that very interesting, this, this large variant that every one of us experience. And I ask myself, well, why is that the case? Because you have the same knowledge that you had yesterday, you have the same experience that you had yesterday, and you have the same talents, aptitudes, skills that you had yesterday, but you didn't perform the same as you did yesterday. And of course, it comes down to our state of mind. Sometimes we're in a, a supportive state that makes us perform well, and then other times we're not. And I realized that this is one of the most important elements in all of personal development and is very rarely addressed. But I believe the number one thing we should be thinking about and, and working on refining each and every day is our state of mind. Is it a state of mind that is going to bring our best self out or is it a state of mind that's going to bring a, an average self or a, a, a poor self, poor version of ourself out? And it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the richest person in the world, let's say Elon Musk, or you could be a scientist, a great scientist. The truth is... All of us have these variances. And so it really makes sense to try and design our, our state of mind and, and nurture our state of mind so that most of the time we're feeling great. Mm, and how do we do that? Like, do you feel like that's like part of a morning ritual or, or how do you actually... How do you actually do that? Because I'm, I'm assuming you are talking here productivity and being positive and, and I guess, you know, excited about what you're doing. So what, so how do you think we can actually get to that? So let's just say that we operate 50% of our 100% possibility of being really amazing. Like how do we, how do we get that gap closer to, to you know, operating 100%? Well, that's a great question. I think there's two answers. The first is, we must intend 
to perform in a great state. So most people are not even aware of the need to maximize their state. And so, you know, they just get up in the morning and go to work or wherever in an up and down frame of mind. So first of all, intention. Second of all, methodology. And, and you mentioned a morning ritual. And I think that's a fantastic way. And, and you know, the, one of the interesting changes in society in, in many countries in the last 10 years has been the rise of the morning ritual that a lot of people who are on the cutting edge are doing morning rituals. And I'm, so I'm a great believer in that. But I would go further and, and say that the one drawback of morning rituals is they stop in the morning. And so what I believe <laughs> to do a morning ritual for sure, I, but then have various touch points during the day where you're checking in on yourself and you're monitoring yourself and making sure that you perform all the way through the day at a good level. And then finally, at the end of the day, reviewing your performance. You know, we've got to examine our performance and then look at errors that we made in our state. So I'm talking about state monitoring all day long. So is there specific things that we need to measure, do you think, in terms of state of mind? Like is there like five things so every hour we should check in or is it more about being productive or how we feel or how do we actually know what we should should measure? It's a deep question. You know, there's many levels that we can we can measure, but a simple one that I advocate when I'm coaching entrepreneurs or, or CEOs is to sum up what's our best self in three words. So for instance, you might say, okay, when I'm at my best, I'm confident, relaxed, and efficient. As an example, right? Confident, relaxed, efficient. So you can use just those three words and keep coming back to them during the day and monitor yourself. Well, am I being, feeling confident enough? If not, let's, let's reset confidence. You know, let's make a choice to increase our confidence or give right reasons why we should be confident, remind ourselves. So you would do something like that with each of the three words. If you know, well, me and myself is this, this, and this, and you just are aware of that during the day, your state of mind will skyrocket. The quality of your thinking and your actions will rise very, very fast. So that's one level. And then we could have a more elaborate list if people really wanted to get into it, you know, am I kind? Am I clear? Am I zen-like or unattached? Am I warm? Am I, you could have a list of 15 things that you monitor yourself for. Certainly that's one way. Another way is uh, I believe just to release tension because as, as we get layers of tension, as the day progresses, we move tend to move away more and more from our ideal optimized state. So I'm a huge believer in numerous times during the day, I just kind of do what I call a release breath. I think of anything I'm unhappy with. I take a deep breath and I imagine just letting it go as, as I exhale. And that's profoundly helped me stay in an optimum state because I might get off a call and be irritated or I might get a, a series of thoughts that anger me or, or whatever. But by releasing again and again and again, by the time you get to, say, 6 p.m. at the end of the day, you really have not got many layers of stress because you've let them go really early. Mm. I wrote down that I wanted to be inspired, focused, and excited. And um, my morning ritual is all about being inspired. So I go for a walk or run every morning and um, I listen to something inspiring, so a podcast or a audio book. And then when I get back, I just want to be focused on the most important things. And then for me, it's really important to be excited about what I do because I think life is too short not to. So that was really inspiring because I, I felt like I was doing some of that anyway, but the excitement often... <laughs> means <laughs> off after a while when you you know get to be tired in the afternoon so it's really good so thank you for sharing that yeah and you raise an interesting idea there to exercise and you know you look at all the research and people talk about exercise for physical benefits but it's chemically changing both our bodies and our brains and so it's I believe from almost everyone I've spoken to it is much easier to maintain an optimum state of mind if you've exercised, if you change your, your chemical structure so that it's supportive, if it's giving you the happy chemicals rather than the, the cortisol, the, the stress chemicals. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I actually do a bit of a second wind workout in the afternoon because I go for a walk or run if I haven't run. It just really helps because I find the afternoon when you, because I'm an early riser, so by four o'clock I'm, I'm kind of done. <laughs> but then if I go out in nature and just get, if it's walk or running, I just feel so much better. And it's interesting. Another thing that I have found really useful is that I don't love running. I've never been, I never loved running. I can walk forever. I could walk for hours and hours, but running is for me is just boring. I don't know why. I just never loved it, but I love to do something challenging every morning because if I can do that, then I can deal with all the other challenges. And that's, so I'm now on my day 61. I'm doing a hundred day running challenge just to get back on, <laughs> on the horse because I often go off it. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> 61 days in a row. You've been I'm not running long. Like I'm doing a streak with a friend. The rules are that 1.6K is the minimum. So that's what I do if I'm not feeling great. But it normally it's like 5K or something like that. And slow. And it's it's just really good because I, I know that I can do it physically. But mentally for me, it's really tough. Like I just find it so boring. And I don't find that I can listen to the podcast the same way because I often like to take notes. But I just think this is good, good challenge for me. So yeah, just before we started this, I did day six one because I, I left Sydney super early this morning. So I, I didn't run because I got up at 4.30. So I didn't run before that. <laughs> so I ran this afternoon and yeah, day 61. Wow. That is amazing <laughs> and, and, and incredibly impressive. You know, just talking about the boredom of running, one thing I do, which at least for me is very, very useful is when I go for a run, which incidentally I'm doing after this because I haven't done any exercise today. What I do is I go through all my goals, who I want to be, and I somewhat kind of I do a version of both feeling like I've achieved that and kind of visualizing, even though I'm running, for some reason I'm able to kind of do a version of visualization as I'm running. And that does two things. First of all, it fills the time because I've got a series of positive directions. And second of all, by the time I come back from the run, I've also done my goals. I've re-clarified and recalibrated the type of person I want to be. So it's both a mental workout and, and a physical one. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I actually have a live vision that I have recorded. And I know this is not for everyone because it's really hard to listen to your own voice. I've never listened to a podcast that I've done because I just can't listen to it. But um, I got used to listen to my audio version of my all my dreams and goals. It just goes in then to your subconscious. So I do that sometimes, but it's not as inspiring as, <laughs> as listening to someone else. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'll try that tomorrow. So thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> so the other thing you spoke about was about winning the day or win the day. Why is that so important and how do we do that? And it's funny because I have created a journal that I will give to you uh, called Daily Wins Journal, which I inspire people to write down their three daily wins, but also um, what they're grateful for and what the daily wins will be for tomorrow. And the reason for that is because often we just look at what we don't achieve. So I'm assuming you will talk about that, that it's about winning the day to actually feeling good. Yeah, so win the day has been a very important concept for me. I have been living in the States a long time, so a lot of uh, the American sporting coaches follow uh, one-day increments in, in how they behave. So win the day is all about forgetting about what's going on that's right or wrong in your life or you know where you are on some three-year goal or one-year goal. These type of things can, can really throw us off because they're, they're so demanding. You know, we could be having a terrible time or we could be having, uh, you know, our goals may seem so far from fruition. But the brilliance of the concept of win the day is only work in one day increments. So regardless of what your goals are, your mission every time you get up is to perform superbly as you see what great performance is. So it's subjective. What you believe would be a great version of your performance. So what is that? Well, it's having the right attitude. It's not procrastinating. It's not, it's keeping an even mindset and not getting angry. It's, you know, being, being effective, efficient, enjoying the day, all these things, however you define them. But each day you get up and your main mission is to do your bit really well. And it's incredibly powerful because it makes it easy to win the game. 
it's, you know, if you've got two-year goals, it's quite hard to win. You know, every two years you might achieve them, but what about in between? But if you only work in one-day increments, every single day at the end of the day, you can win. You can say, I performed really well. So that's the first advantage of it. The second advantage is you're in control of your performance. You're not in control of whether someone shouts at you. You're not in control of whether a client lets you down. You're not in control of whether some random event comes and is negative, but you are in control of how you perform when you meet, when you encounter these difficulties. So by getting up in the morning and shortening the deadline too, I'm just going to perform really well today. Mm. Then you paradoxically have a greater chance of uh, performing well over a longer period of time. Yeah. If we're focusing on on the process and not the destination and really enjoying the journey, then every day will be a win regardless if we perhaps not always do our 100% best, but at least we are work, working towards. And, and I have so many people coming into my online course and they don't actually believe that they can achieve the dream, but I haven't seen a dream yet that hasn't been able to be achieved, um, but it's just not in their head yet. And I always say, if you just work on that every single day and you just a little, do a little bit about little progress every single day, eventually you will get there. It's just it's just impossible not to, but it just might take some time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, people do not necessarily believe that, you know, they set goals, but they don't, a lot of people don't really believe that they'll achieve that goal. And that shows up in their daily performance. Mm. So if you just work on just today, I'm going to believe that I can achieve this goal. Just today, even though I'm feeling down, I'm going to still take action. Just today, even though I don't feel like exercising, I'm going to do some some exercise and then let the rest of it be handled tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, showing up is half, half the battle, like just to, to actually get started. I always say for exercise, like that's often I don't feel like running, but if I just say, I'm just going to run for two minutes first or five minutes or 10 minutes. And then eventually once you get into it, you always run more. And, um, and I feel like that works with everything, everything from organizing your house to to start a new project or a new dream. So, so a little bit each day is, is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I loved your section about relentless solution focus. Can you share a little bit about that, um, how we can be that? Yeah, sure. Well, I, you know, one of my hobbies is is studying uh, high performance. And uh, I got that from a a great uh, sports psychologist uh, in in the States, uh, Dr. Jason Selk. It's a really beautiful technique, relentless solution focus. It's very organized in, in how he teaches it. And it's that If something bad happens to you, you're not allowed to spend more than 60 seconds dwelling on how bad it is before you need to switch your thinking to, well, what what kind of solution can I do? What kind of uh, improvement can I make on this situation? So the first is to give yourself a 60-second limit. And the second is to ask the relentless solution focus or ROSF question, and that is, what's one thing I can do to make this situation better? What's one thing I can do to make this situation better? And it's such a powerful technique because if I look at my own life, the times where I've been unproductive, I think, when adversity has hit, has have been times when I just spent all my time dwelling on how bad it is or why did this person do this or, you know, why have I failed to do this? But this technique is so beautiful because within 60 seconds, as much as you can try to do this, you go, you know what? There's got to be something I can do. I could ring this person. I could apologize. I could just relax for three minutes and, 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 and disengage for a moment. I, I, could, I could take action on this. I could, I could just do this one thing. And it keeps you in creation mode. And I think the ability to stay in creation, go forward, solution-oriented mode when we're experiencing hardship is one of the most important abilities. And the great thing about Jason Silk's RSF formula, Relentless Solution Focus Formula, is he's turned something that we all know we should do into a method that's two-pronged. We've got 60 seconds before we've got to change our mind. 
and, and start being proactive to try and improve the situation. And we're going to constantly ask ourselves, what's one thing I can do right now to, to improve the situation? And, and that can be brilliant because it takes us out of a pain, it takes us out of complaining and into effective performance. Mm. So for anyone who's going through a really challenging time, so, you know, one thing is a business challenge, but it's, it's, you know, when you have issues with personal relationships or someone passing away, do you feel like this is working on this as well? Or is there any other little extra things that we can do when we are, you know, when it's it's really tough? Look, it's a discipline. It, it takes a lot of work. And, you know, I work on it every day. It is still difficult. The other technique when things are truly bad to write on a, a card answers to this particular situation. So, for instance, uh, let's say someone left you and you're in misery about that, you might write down two or three points. I'm better off without them because X, or uh, I know that I'll get over this within you know, three or four months or some other thing. And you write these true statements but statements that in the pain we so often forget, you write them on a card and you read that card all the way through the day whenever you catch yourself going down negative mental cascading thinking patterns. So, so that's one. And then the other technique that really helps in, in I think, a disastrous situation is you say to yourself, you postpone when you're going to think about it so that it's several times during the day. So let's say a calamity has happened, something really bad has happened, and you wake up at 3 a.m. in terror about this issue or in great pain about this issue. What I found is you can say to yourself, that's okay, I'm going to really worry about this at 9 a.m. And it's literally in your calendar to worry about it or think about it at 9 a.m. It helps a lot to tell your brain, uh, that's okay, happy to think about this, but I'm thinking about it at this time. So for the next three hours, I'm, I'm just going to uh, uh, not think about it. I'll think about uh, postpone thinking about it until that time. And what's so weird is your brain often, not always, but often is fine and go, okay, 3 p.m., we'll get back to worrying about that. And mm. by postponing and compartmentalizing worry, it doesn't get rid of the problem, but it greatly reduces it. I love that. It actually reminds me when reminded me when I started my first business, I used to have worrying Thursdays. It was a friend of mine who told me <laughs> about it uh, because in in a small business startups and you're just running so fast and you 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 know there's a lot of worries that comes at night thinking did I do this or did I get to that and you know it's just a bit hard to cope. But then my friend told me about it and then I started to do worrying Thursday. So then I wrote down like oh, I need to think about that unless it was obviously urgent, but a lot of the worries are not even coming to the real world. It's just often just in our heads. So that's a really good tip. So thank you for reminding me of that one. I love worry Thursdays. That's <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I probably need to reintroduce that one. I haven't done that for a long time, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good one. And I don't think it should be a whole Thursday, by the way. It should just be, you know, one time on the Thursday. But I think what you just talked about doing it daily, especially if you, it's something that's really fresh or hard um, at that time, yeah, you know, once a week might not be enough. One A few times a day might be much better off until you're getting the pain disappear because yeah. we know that time obviously helps as well. Yeah, and, and, and I think that just simple thought replacement uh, really helps us well, you know, to try and get some awareness of I'm feeling bad because of I think X, I'm now going to take the opposite view. So, for instance, I'll never find my life partner. Literally say I'm going to find my life partner in the next 14 months. Oftentimes uh, your brain goes, okay, I'm going to switch to, to that, you know, that way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also um, because the brain is wired to <clears throat> to look out for danger and worries and all that kind of stuff, it's it's it becomes an addiction as well if you, you know, dwell for too long in something. So, um, but, you know, it's one thing to know this intellectually, but it's one thing, another thing, of course, to do it. So having that discipline um, will obviously help as well. Yeah, it can be very hard. It's, it's almost like going to the gym, but it's your mind that, that you feel a difficulty of lifting the weight or in this case, the difficulty of disciplining yourself to think of a positive outcome. It really takes mental discipline, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 
Let's talk about next play speed. What is that? Yeah, next play speed is another technique that I found in professional sports uh, performance. An expert by the name of uh, in this field by the name of Graham Betchart, who mostly deals with professional basketballers, he said, "Well, look, if you look at people who perform at a high level, certainly certainly basketballers, but uh, I think it's applicable to any level." they have the ability to bounce back quickly from adversity. So it's not just, oh, they succeed in what they want to do through persistence. It's how quickly can we return to performing well when something bad happens? Or as he more elegantly says, what's our next play speed? How quickly can we get on to the next play? And what I love about this is I've never really seen prior to him anyone create a technique that can be monitored next play speed well it, it took me 40 minutes to get back after that bad phone call to get back to performing well or it took me two minutes or he said look even in professional basketball you see people who make a mistake in a game and they'll hide for the entire rest of the game you know mm. they don't have the courage to get back to their best self because you know they're worried about their stats or they're worried about how they they'll look to everybody if they miss yet another shot and he said you compare that to the michael jordans of the world and when they made a mistake they were so fast in getting back into the game and trying to create something great that really resonated with me because there's certainly been times in my life where i've been you know bowled over and it took me a good amount of time to get back in the game and to analyze okay Am I keeping my next play speed fast? Well, that's a very powerful technique. When I lost my business in administration, there was two ways to go. There was either to go depressed for a couple of years and just disappear mm. or just get on with it. And just <clears throat> my, my focus then, because it was a bit uncertain, there was a lot of things uh, going on, was to really just help others. I'm thinking a lot of people have it worse than me. And that was kind of my way of you know, giving back to the community while I was working out my own issues. <laughs> but mentally, it would have been easier just to give up for a while and feel sorry for myself or just bounce back and just be like, you know, life is too short to kind of lose a couple of years and just feel sorry for myself. It's better to be back. And and now as we where we were caught up the other day, I'm like happier than ever. I love, love what I get to do. So sometimes just to to do that, even when you feel that that's not the right thing in terms of what you feel like doing um, is it's really, really good. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And who are we to say that what the disaster that occurred in our lives is not in the end fantastic? So many times in my life, in fact, the, my two biggest negative career moments were the beginning of my two biggest successes. What we think is bad may be fantastic in the fullness of time. And, we, you know, it's very important to, to remember that. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you, thank you. So on that note, you said pressure is joy and to seek pressure. So tell us about that, how we do that. Yeah, well, pressure is, uh, is joy is a beautiful expression because society has its that pressure is bad we've got to avoid pressure things are going well when there's no no pressure etc but you know when we think about it whenever we've had times in our life when we've excelled they in almost all cases there's been an increase in pressure a dramatic increase in pressure at the time so it's a just it's just a different paradigm to take on to literally say well i choose i choose to make the decision that in my life pressure is joy i want more pressure within reason you know i want more pressure because it creates a better me and it usually creates better circumstances not only that but at the end of my life when i'm 97 and i'm looking back on my life i'll have wished that i jumped into the arena more often and experienced the pressure which is one of the greatest signs of living. Mm. Because when I'm sitting in the retirement village and, you know, I think I've only got a couple more years to go, I'll go, you know, I should have jumped in the game more. I should have experienced the joy, excitement, thrill that is pressure if, if we take on that paradigm. And I'm reminded of 
a great research study in one of Deepak Chopra's books where he did a study on roller coaster, people on roller coaster coasters, or rather he reported a study. And what they showed is on the same roller coaster, there were people that exuded uh, chemicals of fear and stress and people who uh, at the end of it had uh, changed their, they produced chemicals of joy and excitement and they're on the same roller coaster. So a lot of it's down to interpretation. And uh, a, a great technique that stems out of that is when you're feeling pressure to say, this is really exciting because there's, very, there's a very small difference between this is very bad pressure to, hey, this, this is really exciting. Mm. And it's a great technique to just switch into positive territory. I think you might have said this. Uh, I wrote in my journal here, I'm just looking at my notes, <clears throat> that we need pressure to make our dreams come true. And when we haven't done uh, anything like one of our dreams that we have, you know, you would need some pressure because otherwise you'll never, you'll never, you'll never get on with it. Oh, yeah, abs- absolutely. There's a great teacher by the name of Brian Kite, K-I-G-H-T, and he's a specialist in discipline. And he has this saying, which I love, and I write often down for myself, effort over comfort. And if you just keep looking at things in your life, what what takes effort now? What else takes effort? What on my to-do list takes real effort to do this? Effort over comfort all the time leads to uh, greater pressure, but much better results. And, And I think just to, as much as we can, to seek hardship. In our, in our day is it's a beautiful uh, technique for experiencing great success. When you look at all the things that you've done in your past, when it was a bit painful and it was hard, when you get through that, that's where your growth is and that's where the joy comes from because if everything was easy, you probably wouldn't, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spot on, spot on. And yeah. we've, got, we've got to expand what we view as easy, you know, like there's some people that the tiniest thing, they start viewing it as being hard. We've got to say, you know, I, I, I eat discomfort for breakfast so that it really takes a lot for us to become disturbed because that part of our mental muscle is so strong where we're just used to adversity. Yeah. And we thrive on it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So talk to us about monitoring the Rotella loop. Yeah. Well, Bob, Bob Rotella is one of the great sports psychologists. Uh, he'd be in his 70s now, and he he's trained so many sports uh, men and women right up to today with, you know, people like LeBron James. But, you know, for 30 years he's been coaching the world's best in, in largely in, in sport. He says, look, in all the people, all the great people that I have coached mentally, I don't know anyone that doesn't have the characteristics of confidence, optimism, and persistence. They have confidence, they have optimism about what's the future events, and, and they have persistence for when things inevitably go wrong. And he said, you can pretty much monitor yourself on those three things. And they're a loop, they're a self-reinforcing loop as you choose to be more confident, then when you look at your near-term future, you're more optimistic, which makes you take more action. And even when things go wrong, because you're feeling confident and optimistic, that encourages you to persist. As you persist more, you get better results, which make you feel more confident. And so that loop, that self-reinforcing loop, that spiral up, continues to get stronger and stronger and stronger and because he's had so many decades you know 40 or 50 years uh working with the most accomplished people in the world i took a lot of notice of that and and i'm always looking at am i during the day am i being confident enough am i being optimistic enough am i being persistent enough the rotella loop this is such a good one for anyone out there listening uh when you are about to start public speaking because most people prefer dying, <laughs> which is a bit crazy uh, than, than doing public speaking. But once you actually start and you persist and then you get better, then you get more optimistic and then you get more confidence and then you continue. The only way of getting over the fear in my experience for public speaking is to actually do it. And then you'll hopefully get better. And, um, and that comes with practice. Oh, I couldn't agree more. If you let us take someone who's listening, who is truly 
uh, fearful of giving a speech, and that speech is in two months' time. Hypothetically, just for the sake of example, if they, as you say, practiced one, that speech 1,000 times, they ain't walking in, in their nervous. Now, uh, because they've done it so much, it's they know it in their sleep. And I think that is the, obviously, we're probably not going to practice anything a thousand times, but it's, you just know that it's true. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but particularly speaking, if you just out-practice everybody, then you're going to perform well. You know, preparation is absolutely key. There's a very, very good book, and it's the only book I've ever seen in the world on this topic called uh, Dare to Prepare. It's by a top American lawyer, and he's done an entire book showing how everybody in every field who's at the top spends a larger amount of time on preparation than everybody else. Mm. And, and preparation is just another version of practice. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to read that. We're going to read that in the book club for sure, because um, I think everyone needs that in whatever field. It doesn't have to be public speaking. It can be anything that we are fearing. And most of us fear something that we haven't done before. So love that. So thank you so much for sharing that. I am interested, how can we create a powerful self-identity? Yeah, great question. Many people would believe that it's accidental what our self-identity is, but I don't believe that at all. I don't believe it has to be. I think that most people's identity has been formulated mm. in a haphazard way. Someone told us that we're good at this, so that becomes where part of our identity, or someone told us that we're lazy when we were a kid and that becomes part of our identity. And it's very haphazard how most people are forming their identity. So the first thing is to consciously choose to formulate a self-identity that is supportive of you, the one that you wish to create a, a future self, a future version of yourself that you're working towards and attempting to be each and every day. Now, if you asked 100 people, uh, can you describe to me what you want your future self to be? 95% of them can give you nothing. They, they've not designed, they've not articulated a, any kind of future self, any kind of um, self-identity that they're moving towards. So number one is to sit down and, and decide what you want your self-identity to be. The second is to behave like you're like that all the time, as much as you can. So for instance, let's say I, I'm highly disorganized. Well, I'm going to behave all day long as if I'm organized. Now, you may not become the most organized person in the world immediately, but you'll immediately double your organizational output because you're being conscious of it and you're working towards it. So acting as if you're that type of person already. And second of all, uh, as Brian Tracy, the great success author, the author of more success books than any person on the planet over 70, he said, all success starts with the change in mental pictures. All success starts with a change in mental pictures. And so if, in addition to acting as if we're that type of person as best we can, if we start seeing ourselves, just take a minute or two when you're in the shower to see yourself being that person before you go into a meeting, to see yourself being that person before you go to the dinner table, to see yourself being that person. And you do that several times a day, it gets stronger and stronger in ways that I'm sure you know, Christina, and Many people who, who study the mind know, you know, the 88% of the brain is subconscious and, and it will take direction. And the best way of doing that is through changing your mental pictures of yourself. And then finally, to put it in a, in a half-page document and read that document all the time, I, I believe at least every day. And eventually, your thinking becomes in tune with someone who is likely to get those results. And once your thinking becomes like that person, then your actions become like that person. Once your actions become like that person, you tend to get that result. Mm, love it, love it, love it. As you might know, I think we spoke about that when we caught up is I'm working on a coaching program and I'm interested to ask you, because you have studied so many sportsmen and coaches, how important do you think it is to have a coach? I think it's extremely important. There's no one that doesn't get better with accountability. So just purely being accountable to someone is going to lift your performance. Like you might say to yourself, I'm going to get that done by next Tuesday. But if no one's watching as to whether you'll get it done by next Tuesday, maybe 
you won't get it done at all. Or maybe you'll, you'll take three weeks to do it. So first of all, accountability. That alone will dramatically improve anybody's results. And second of all, being monitored so that you're rising higher, getting good ideas, new techniques from someone who's experienced in this area. And the area may be specific to your career or the area may be something to do with your personal life or the area may just be the art and science of succeeding. And when you work with a good coach who's experienced and knows methodologies to make you better and concurrently keeps you accountable, well, I think it's basically impossible not to, to rise to a different level. And, you know, I'm, I always make sure that I, I'm, I've invested in a, in a coach myself, even though I coach people for a living. And, yeah. uh, and the reason is because I know I get better when I have one. What do yeah. you think about, about the importance of a coach? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's why I, because I, I have my online program as a course and I, I buy a lot of courses myself because I just love learning. But when I bought something not that long ago, I have Dale, who we both know, and uh, he's kind of checking in and asking me questions and just got me to a completely different level in terms of doing it because otherwise you just feel like you have it all the time in the world when you're just accountable for yourself. You still want to do it, but you just don't do it in the same speed. And also, um, it also is really nice to be able to ask questions. And and regardless how motivated you are, and regardless, I consider myself quite a motivated person, I have days where I just don't want to do things. And having a coach then is really, really important. Yeah. We become less subservient to our feelings and and more in keeping with our commitments and and yeah it's just human nature isn't it yeah absolutely and i have a i have a just a simple habit club where we um, where people join and decide a habit for the month or for 66 66 days whatever they decide the whole idea is just to really just write in that facebook group when you've done it and most people don't really care there's no one really following up i'm not following up people if they haven't done it but it's so rewarding to write down what you've done but also then you get all the people you know clapping you on and if you are not doing it and you see other people doing it you get motivated so when you have a support group around you that you just it just takes it to a completely different level i agree undoubtedly yeah the power of community for yeah Absolutely. Oh, this has been so, so inspiring. Before we finish up, I wanted to ask you a couple of things, but one is knowing what you know now, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self, say your late teen? I would say choose to have faith that things will all work out well. So plenty of times I worried when I didn't have to. And so just making the choice to have faith that everything will work out well is, uh, is an important thing. And then the second thing I'd say is Choose one thing and give it a thousand percent. You know, one error I've made in my life is, uh, you know, I've sometimes been in things and wanted to get out of them and so haven't given it a hundred percent while I've been in it or I've switched too easily to other things. And I think generally, I'm a great believer in the saying that successful people don't always make the right decisions, but they make their decisions right. And I think I would advise myself, don't alter your path, just get better at, at fulfilling it. Yeah. And most of that time, I believe for myself, that would give me a much better result than concerning myself or only being half-hearted in something and, or switching to other things. And that, uh, that's advice I should have taken when I was younger. Mm. Some really good advice for all of us in there. So thank you for sharing that. Before we finish up, I have two more questions. One is, have you got a specific morning ritual? Yeah, I sure do. I have a checklist and uh, I've got to do that. Well, I aim to do those things every every day for sure. On, on my morning ritual, I have uh, three minutes of prayer. I then go through my goals. I then do a visualization and then do self-talk or affirmation. I then do a journal. I then do at least five minutes reading. I then review my previous day. And, uh, and then uh, um, uh, by that, I mean my evening review journal, which I have. I, I review that in the morning as to what I did well and what I could have done better. Starting in the morning, but then during the day, I do 
10 deep breaths three times a day. I do a release breath three times a day. I think about the person I want to be three times a day. I do a stretch and I do 20 minutes exercise. That is my morning ritual that extends through the rest of the day. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's very, very inspiring. Lots of good ideas there. Thank you. I'm sure this is like a really difficult question, but have you got a favorite book to recommend? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, close to impossible. I, I think for me to just choose one or two for getting things done. I would just use. I would do "Eat That Frog" by Brian Tracy. Yes, so that's a short book. It's probably the best-selling book on time management. It's just twenty-one things that you can do to make sure you get things done in your life. So that's the the first thing I'd say, and then. You know, maybe a book like As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, the yeah. philosopher, which is a very old book, as you know, but is really just about the power of our thinking and being very, very careful what we think. So if we combine thinking really well with having a, a methodology for taking action really well, you're going to be doing pretty well, I think. Yeah, love both of those books. We, we read Eat That Frog in, um, in, the, in the book club, but I think you can read that at least once a year. Thank you so much. I so love this conversation and I know my listeners will. So thank you for taking your time, but also thank you for all the amazing things you are doing to make the world more productive and enjoy life a bit more. So thank you. Well, thanks for the great questions. And only a, a, a wise person could have asked those kind of questions, that quality of question, which is three quarters of uh, getting a good answer. So thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Gosh, that was so, so inspiring. Even though I saw him speak recently, I took so many notes during the interview. Sometimes that I got a little bit distracted. There was just so much in here. And this is an episode that I will be listening to many, many times. So much wisdom and things to implement in my own life. And I really hope you found the same. I would love for you to share this episode with anyone you think it can serve. And I would love for you to give us a review and rating so we're able to reach more people who needs to hear this. As always, I would love to know what you got out of this episode. So please let me know in the Facebook group. I will link to it in the show notes, but just or you can just go to Facebook and search for Your Dream Life Podcast. It's a free Facebook group. Thank you again. As always, I will be back next week. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss it. Have a wonderful week.